You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, yesterday wasn't quite as crazy, but um, we got a few little details, uh, a couple other re-signings. So I want to touch on that very briefly, give my opinion on a phrase that I want to make sure that we're saying correctly, and then I would need to get into some of these... uh, questions and comments because uh, there's been quite a few as you can expect and I don't want to push them off another day so we're gonna we're gonna make sure we get into that real quick well ladies and gentlemen you almost did it we now have 80 reviews on iTunes I could not be well I I, let's let's be honest I was gonna say I could not be more grateful let me just say I am unbelievably grateful however I upped it by one And I said, if we get to 81, what I would do is I'd give you a reprieve. And here's what I figure. This is what I had said is if you leave a rating and review that we would do the draft thing. So what I'll do is rather than just set a date and say, I'll stop bugging you for a while, is I think what I'll do is um, ensure that my promise is upheld with the, the draft. And I said we might do a couple of them. So I tell you what, I will not mention the rating and review stuff once we get to 81 which we're not, so please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, or a five-star rating and review, whatever it is. I don't, You know what I'm talking about. Click five stars, click submit. Once we cross that threshold, I won't bring it up until I do um, two mock drafts. So I'll grab two people, we'll do some mock drafts, and then I'll set another goal. i got to find out who's ahead of us here. So that's the plan. By the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you do leave a rating and review, head over to the Facebook group or Twitter. I don't really care anymore. Just get me the information proving that you left a rating and review, whether that's a screenshot or just say, hey, this is the name I use or whatever it is. And what I'll do is I'll enter you in to be the person that does the mock draft with me. And I'm planning on doing more than two. I'm just saying that'll be kind of the the cutoff. Once I do it two times and we get the two bonus episodes up, then I'll get back to bugging you. We'll probably just set it at 100, I guess. I don't think there's anyone between 80 and 100 that I can find. Oh, and by the way, something else I thought would be fun to do. Something alternative to the draft, which I want to continue to do. But also I want to have stuff to do after. Like, this is something I want to continually do. I think it would be kind of fun. Like, all throughout forever. Just got to think of ideas to do. Um, but one of them is to be the the GM and, and to say what I would have done in free agency. And I think rather than having, like, a thousand people do that, I want to pick, like, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people to say, all right, if I was the Packers, this is what I would have done. I would have got D Ford and... and this and that person, and then what we'll do is we'll track it through the season. Not to, again, not to, like, make fun of anybody. I'm going to take part in it, too, but I think it'll be a good exercise, and it's also, you know, then everybody can have a team. Like, I'm on Team Joe Blow over there who said he would have done this and that, and then we all can see, like, oh, turns out that was horrible, and almost every single one of us is going to feel really dumb at the end of it, but whatever. I think it'll be fun. All right, so we got the rating and review. Otherwise, if you'd like to call in with a question, 608-501-0718. If you'd uh, like to call in for the What Grinds My Gear segment and say get something off your chest about the uh, the Green Bay Packers, what you think you would have done, what you're frustrated about, whatever, 608-501-0718. All right, so first of all, the Green Bay Packers are bringing back Mr. Mercedes Lewis. Um, there's still a pile of guys out there that, that uh, the Packers need to decide if they're keeping or getting rid of that's also going to help us to understand how much money we have left to see if we're going to be making any more moves we don't have very much left i think somebody had said after these deals and after the contract cap hits this year we've got about 24 ish 23 well that can't be right i don't know whatever i'm I'm not going to do that right now we're talking salary cap a different day we're not doing that today but this could you know even if it's like onesie twosies it, it adds up 
Oh, that's right. The 24 thing wasn't including Zadarius yet, I don't think. I don't know. Whatever. But anyways, I was, I was very much on the fence about Mercedes Lewis. Number one, because I, I mean, I just don't really like our tight end situation. We're paying sort of premium money, and I have no idea what the contract is worth for Mercedes necessarily. But in general, we're playing, paying premium money for names, and we're not getting any production. Beyond that, we don't have any youth. It just It's a very uncomfortable feeling. Even if things do get better, it's like we're about to completely collapse at the tight end position very soon. I mean, we, we could have, I, you know, let's just say Lance Kendricks doesn't come back, which I kind of assume he's not, but I don't know. Kind of figured he wouldn't be back last year, and he was, so I guess we could keep him. But if he's not there, we've got Mercedes Lewis and we got Jimmy Graham. And if both of these guys are gone next year, what do we have? we got Tanyan, who some people really like because of, you know, let's be honest, it's mostly fandom. If it was like Bears fans talking about his upside and potential and how good he's going to be, we'd be laughing hysterically. Like, you guys are a joke. Seriously, I mean, that's what it is. I, I had the same thing happen with the, the Jets and their tight end. I forget his name, but he, I mean, he's he's decent, right? In his first year, he showed some athleticism, showed some promise. Decent tight end. But I, I had suggested maybe they look at tight end, and they just lost it. Like, he's one of the most athletic guys. He's one of the best in the NFL. We always put a multiplier on our guys. We're doing that in free agency as well. We we think way too highly of these guys. Not that they're bad, I'm just saying. that. I mean, that's and that's okay, that's free agency. But I think a more measured look is to kind of take the national look. Like, for example, the Packers got better at pass rush. Adrian Amos was a great signing. That guard thing was really dumb. That is, from the national standpoint, everybody is laughing hysterically that we paid $7 million for a guy that was most most commonly referred to as a turnstile and is, is most known for getting Ryan Tannehill killed in Miami. Again, we'll get into that. Maybe he's better, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get you to understand. So Tanyan is not the answer. Mercedes Lewis is not the answer, at least in terms of, you know, long-term solution. Jimmy Graham is not a long-term solution to anything. I don't know if he's a solution. I don't know if anybody's a solution this year, next year, or ever. And the problem is, if we keep re-signing him, we, it's like, okay, so what, what are we going to do now? We're going to go sign another one? It's I, Now I don't want to. If we had gotten rid of Jimmy Graham, which I, I guess we haven't officially kept him yet. I mean, we've officially kept him as long as we don't cut him. But he still could end up being released. It's just its just a weird situation. It would be awesome if these guys were great tight ends, and then we wouldn't have to worry about it, with the exception of the age issue. But they just weren't. And the only reason to be really optimistic, you know, I mean, we, we can give a few reasons, but the only reason to be optimistic realistically is 90% fandom. Again, take a poll of every other person who's national football fan looking in on Green Bay. They're going to say, yeah, Jimmy Graham is over the hill. That's obvious. He's done. Mercedes Lewis is over the hill. He's done. It's not a great situation. Um, but anyways, the, the tight end thing is weird. But here was my thought on why it would make sense to bring back Mercedes Lewis. First of all, the one thing that I had said, and I don't know that there are many teams that know how to utilize tight ends. I think every team, all 32 teams, look at tight end and say this is a very coveted position. And they all understand logically how valuable it is to have that mismatch piece. But look around the NFL at how many people actually know how to utilize a tight end properly. Everybody wants a tight end real bad. They want to get that athletic guy that can do all this stuff. A lot of teams have that guy physically able to do those things. They don't know what to do with him. Mike McCarthy didn't know what to do. And that that became clear years ago. It became beyond definitive the year we got Lance Kendricks, Jimmy Graham, and Mercedes Lewis. And it's like nobody can do anything. Beyond that, we got Jimmy Graham blocking, Mercedes Lewis sitting on the bench, and Lance Kendricks is our receiving tight end. Like, what? <laughs> you're, tr- you're just trying to get fired at this point. The amount of money we paid Jimmy Graham and we got him in there blocking, we got our blocking tight end sitting, and we've got our, our guy that we probably shouldn't even be on our team out there running routes. You're just begging to be fired, as is our offensive coordinator. So hopefully... Now with this new scheme, we not only have the ability to utilize these guys properly, which I'm skeptical because, again, a lot of a lot of the problems we had with Jimmy Graham wasn't just poor utilization. It was a lot of that. But even when the guy was open, he had stone hands. So that's got to get fixed. But specifically looking at Mercedes Lewis, though, the one thing I like is he was a very good blocking tight end two years ago. right? I, I think it's debatable he was the best, but if everybody wants to say the best, we'll call him the best. 
That's fine. I'm not going to get into a fight with Packers fans about that. Not only do I think he still has a lot of that ability, and I, as soon as we got Mercedes Lewis, I laid it out for you. I told you he's not the greatest every year. One year he's a really good run blocker, terrible pass blockers. One year he's a really good pass blocker, bad run blocker. Sometimes this, sometimes that, sometimes both, sometimes neither. Whatever. However, his ability to be a good blocker has always been there. So the, the idea that he could show back up as a solid blocker, especially not only with a, a different coach that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I know he's a better tight ends coach. I don't know that. He coached quarterbacks and did a good job with Matt Ryan. He was an offensive coordinator for the Rams, and apparently he tried to build an offense around uh, Walker in Tennessee, so he likes to utilize tight ends. But that's the extent of what I know about his ability with tight ends, which is basically zero. However, as a blocking tight end with an with a offensive coordinator that likes to run the football and likes to stress running the football, which includes stressing blocking, and also, by the way, this is outside zone. Outside zone is what? Running to the outside of the tackle, which means an important piece of this could be a blocking tight end. So if, if we've got Mercedes Lewis and we say he's going to be our blocking tight end, and we've got a coach that is committed to running the football, but not just we're going to run it more, we're actually going to practice this. We're going to rehearse this over and over and over and over and over again, something that Mark McCarthy didn't do. It's going to help Mercedes Lewis. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Let's practice it and drill it and run it over and over and over. And if there's anybody that's going to pick it up and run with it and be good at it, it's going to be Mercedes Lewis. As opposed to Mike McCarthy picking him up saying, okay, he's a good blocker, or I shouldn't say that. Mike McCarthy picked up nobody. Gutekunst picked him up, said, here's your blocking tight end. McCarthy said, nah, no, he's not. He's going to sit. And that was that story. Another addition to this story, which is something that I had mentioned when we picked him up, excuse me, when we picked up our offensive coordinator, is that our offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, was the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars when they had Mercedes Lewis, who was the best blocking tight end in the NFL. So if, if, if we're able to squeeze some talent out of him and know how to utilize him, if there's anybody on the planet that knows how to do it, well, I shouldn't say that, but one of those people, because he's been there a long time, had a lot of different coaches and offensive coordinators, but Nathaniel Hackett knows how to utilize this man. This is all great news. Now, somebody brought up a point that was Nathaniel Hackett was also part of the organization that released him, which is a great point. Here's my counter. The Jacksonville Jaguars saved $10 million by getting rid of him. I don't necessarily think, although it, it maybe had some part in it, I don't think this wasn't so much to do with Look at how bad he is. Let's dump him. It's a matter of this guy doesn't have any many, very many years left. We are going to overhaul our, our uh, tight end position. We're going to bring in some younger tight ends, but we're also going to free up some money that we absolutely need from a guy that's not going to be here long term. Right? Jaguars need a lot of money. They recoup $10 million by getting rid of him. Kind of did him a little bit dirty, too, because they actually picked up his option, so they, they paid a little bit of money to keep him. He basically missed free agency, so he missed that whole free agency frenzy. And then later they're like, eh, you know what, let's just get rid of this guy. We can't, you know, we, we need to go a different direction. But the bottom line is I think he was released for financial situations. So you've got a guy there who's talented. You've got a guy who has talent bottled up in there. We've got a coach that's committed to, to, to running and to blocking and, and to stressing it and practicing it and being really good at it. We've got Mercedes Lewis's old offensive coordinator, if this Green Bay Packers can't get Mercedes Lewis back to being a good football player, either this, this group of guys is useless or Mercedes Lewis is done. But by giving him a one-year deal, and I don't know the details of it, I, I, I am positive that the conclusion of this, the staff here is that we can still get it, get it going here. We can still get him back on track. Now, they didn't seem over-enthused. This deal didn't get done a long time ago. It took this long to get there. It doesn't seem like they're super over-enthused about any of the guys that they're about to re-sign. But if, if, if the conclusion is, no, he's washed up, he can't do it anymore, then we're not bringing him back. That wasn't the conclusion, and, and we'll, we'll find out more because, you know, the contract talks to value. It, it speaks of value. You know, you, you, you pay somebody what you think they're worth. So we'll find out exactly how much the Packers uh, think he's worth when we see how much money he's going to get. So personally, I'm excited. Um, you know, for a team that's going to emphasize running the football and being better at it, especially outside zone, 
Um, with the, I think the Mercedes Lewis piece can be a huge piece for for so many reasons. For every reason I just said, getting the run game going, being a better blocking team. Also, the connection with with Mercedes Lewis being a really good blocker and having his old offensive coordinator, and it just everything seems to fit perfectly. It's just a matter of is it going to work, right? Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis last year made a lot of sense, and I was really excited about it. And nobody knew what to do, and it was a mess. It was a nightmare. Which goes back to what I've said about some of these other teams. At the end of the day, you've got to take this pile of talent and form it into something. I, I can go out and buy the highest quality paint and the most beautiful canvas in the history of the world. I'm not going to have any idea how to turn this into anything even remotely awesome. Probably a weak analogy, but you get what I'm saying. It's, it's sort of like looking at the Lions and people are like, oh man, look, they're the Patriots now. <laughs> no, no, you're not the Patriots. If you were the Patriots, you wouldn't have to buy the guys that the Patriots are getting rid of at a premium. You wouldn't be paying them what the Patriots aren't willing to pay them because you'd be smart enough to realize this is a bad value, which is why the Patriots aren't signing them. You'd be drafting your own talent. You'd be going out and finding your own guys in free agency as opposed to just taking all the old Patriots guys. You'd also be better at, at you know, calling plays. You'd be better at, um, you know, running a defense. You'd be better at managing a locker room. You'd be better at managing a salary cap. You know, you'd be like the Patriots, but you're not. You're the Lions. You're Matt Patricia, you're not Bill Belichick. I'm, I'm really sorry. And if your whole plan is, let's just steal all the old Patriot players, and then we'll magically be the Patriots and win a bunch of Super Bowls, you're lying to yourself. What up, dance party? Sorry, that was a little rant. And, and listen, I will leave this alone, but the Lions are getting better. I've already said that. I don't want anyone throwing this back in my face. But that's, that's true of every team. The Jets went out and got a bunch of talent. Great. What are you going to do with it? The Raiders went out and got a bunch of talent. Great. What are you going to do with it? The Browns are, are the Super Bowl champions of the world now. Well, maybe. If they can take that talent and, and you know, they've got a good coach, a bunch of good coaches and, and good play callers, yeah, this could be a really good team. Or maybe it's just a bunch of high-quality talent. They don't know what to do with it. There was a time where it was said that you, you, the NFL isn't the NBA. You can't just go out and buy up all the talent and be the quote-unquote dream team. I remember when the Eagles tried that several years ago, and it was like this revolutionary thing, and they went out and got a bunch of really high-quality, talented players. They got like, <laughs> it's hilarious, because this wasn't even that long ago. It was maybe, what, 10 years ago? And um, I think they signed like three guys, and that was it. It is nowhere near even as revolutionary as what just happened with Odell Beckham, which just shows how far the NFL has come. But it was like, oh, this, is, this team's going to be unbeatable. Like, how can you beat? They've got like three really big names. You're, nobody's going to beat the Eagles, and the Eagles are garbage that year. There's more to football than just buying talent, at a, you know, overpaying for talent. That's There's more to it than that. So that's a big thing for the Packers, and we, we don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Nobody has an answer. We don't know what LaFleur can do. Didn't look super great with what he was able to do with Tennessee. We'll see if he can do better in Green Bay. So the bottom line is we don't know. But since the entire point of this offseason is to be optimistic and say the Packers are going to be great at everything, this is a fantastic re-signing. And really, it's it's... The question is, we're going to be optimistic no matter what, right? Billy, uh, Ricky Bobby, whatever the guy's name is that we signed a guard for $7 million. Going to be great, like elite great. Like you don't even know. Like the, the Broncos literally had him on their team, refused to play him, and they didn't even see the talent. We found it. They didn't even know. Stole him. We probably should have paid him $15 million, but everyone's so dumb. But, but, but the question is, how hard is it to defend how great it's going to be? Like the 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 Billy 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 Turner Billy uh, Billy Boy, little hard to defend. I I'm going to I'm going to try I'm going to do everything I can, but that's tough. Mercedes Lewis not as hard for all the reasons I said. Right, it does make sense. Nathaniel Hackett knows how to utilize him. He's going to fit better with Lafleur than he did with McCarthy. By all accounts, he still has some some juice left in the tank, even though last year it didn't necessarily look like it. That's easily explained away, so we're going to call this good. Next up, we got Geronimo. Um, Geronimo was offered an original round tender. Basically, all that means is he was tendered to the round that he was drafted, and considering he was undrafted, that basically means he was, well, it it means nothing. So so for those that don't know, the the tender basically works where you tender him to a certain round, but each, you know, the the higher the round, so if he was a seventh round pick, then it would be a seventh round tender and that would be a certain price. And it's all set by the NFL. These are the prices for all these different things. Well, the Packers are basically paying him $2 million to to give him the original round tender. If they wanted to offer him a second round tender, it would be about $3 million. 
So essentially what would happen is we offer somebody a contract. Here you go. Here's, here's, let's say it's a second round tender. Here's three million bucks. A team can come out and say, okay, I'll give you $3.5 million. Now the Packers can say, uh, excuse me, we'll pay you $3.5 million. And then he stays. That's the first part of it. The second part of it is if we do lose him, if they say, I'll give you 3.5 and we say, never mind, we're not going up that much. We would get a second round draft pick. That draft pick would have to be picked up by the team that grabbed him, which seems ridiculous. And it is, which basically means if we used a second round tender, it would basically mean nobody's ever going to touch him. So let's just imagine we used a second round tender, 3 million bucks. Somebody comes up and says, I'll give you four. We say, please go ahead. And let's say it's the, well, it wouldn't be the Bears because they don't have a second round pick burn. Let's say it's the Vikings. The Vikings are like, boom, we stole them. We would take their second round pick. Seems ridiculous. And it is, which is why nobody would ever touch him. It's basically a way of saying you're not going anywhere. So why didn't the Packers use that? The reason they didn't use that is because we would have to pay him $3 million and then he's not going anywhere. And the Packers don't want to pay him $3 million because they don't think he's worth $3 million. If they thought he was, they would have given him $3 million. The problem is if we do, we're stuck with him. And that's just, that's too much. So that tells you exactly how much we value him. He's worth two. He's not worth three. And if somebody decides they want to swoop in and get him, they're probably just going to take him. I mean, I guess it's kind of iffy if they say 2.5, right? But if somebody wants to offer three, we know we're not going to keep him because we could have just given him a second round tender for three million bucks. So my guess is we're offering him the maximum we're willing to offer him. If anybody wants to come in and take him, they're willing to take him. That's my thought on Geronimo Allison. All right, let's flip it over now to uh, some of these questions and comments here. Oh, wait, you know what? No, we're not there. I got a couple things I want to run through. Let's talk semantics because I'm, some, I'm just kind of that way sometimes. There's two things, and I'm, I'm not, I know everybody says it, and I don't want to just like sit here and throw bricks at, at my listeners, but I just want to kind of give my opinion on a couple phrases that are being thrown around and make sure that, that, I don't know, whatever. It's my podcast, it's my opinion, you're going to hear it. First of all, the Packers are not going all in, okay? This is not all in. And I'm kind of glad, because, and, and that's, the reason I bring it up is because the free agency is telling us how Brian Gutekunst feels about this team and what, what the plan is. Going all in would be getting D4, Justin Houston, and Earl Thomas. We're going to get a bunch of older guys. D4 isn't really that old compared to the guys we got he is. But it's, it's I mean, just think about it literally. All in is what? It's a poker term, right? It's a gambling term. You take all your chips, you push them in the middle. What happens if you lose? You're out of chips. The Jacksonville Jaguars went all in. They lost. Now they're out of chips and they're in cap crisis purgatory. Right, the Bears pushed all in. Now they're in a situation where they got to purge players. They lost Adrian Amos. They would have liked to have keep kept Adrian Amos. They just they can't justify it. The Vikings, they're in a serious problem here. Teams get into these situations where they go all in and then they have to start working backward. The Packers are not going all in. They they got young guys contracts basically through the entirety of Aaron Rodgers' tenure. That's not all in. This is just bringing up the level of the team for the for the foreseeable future for the next four years the Packers are going to be more competitive this is a more long-term thing and again these aren't top tier players these are just guys that bring us up a little bit they they bring up our bottom they raise the floor and again they're young there's guys that we can develop and they're going to be here for the majority of Aaron Rodgers tenure that's very different than all in win now mode is the other thing Again, not trying to specifically trash anyone, but I'm just, I'm going through some of these articles and it just drives me nuts. I don't know if it's just to be clickbaity or what, but Pete Doherty has an article on Packers News. Doherty, free agent binge, assign Packers in win now mode. No, it's not. This, this, this helps us win this year a little bit. It helps us win next year. It helps us win in 2021 and 2022. If, if our, if this is what we're doing to win in 2019, Brian Gutekunst should be fired. These, these aren't the top of the... Th- this isn't it, man. We should have traded our two firsts for Odell Beckham. I mean, re- legitimately think about that. We could have traded two firsts for Odell Beckham. What was it, like a third-round pick or a, a 20... I think it was a 20-22nd to get D. Ford. We could have paid Justin Houston, you know, the way the, we've been working the cap. We could have paid him, like, what, 10 million bucks a year. We pay him four this year. And we could have got Earl Thomas on top. I mean, th- that's win now. That's... This is the year. This has to be the year. That's what win now looks like. This is not what win now looks like. This is a calculated move that is salary cap friendly, that is going to help elevate the team from now for the next four years. 
Very, very, very different thing. Now, he does say in the article, I wouldn't go so far as to say Gutekunst has gone all in for 2018, which is correct. But then stop saying we went on a free agent binge because we're in win-now mode, because those are entirely contradictory statements. This is, not, this is not a move that is going to ensure we win anything this year. Is it more likely? Yes. But in terms of, of looking at all these free agent binges, we have not improved more than a lot of other teams. Do we improve more than the Lions? Maybe. Do we improve more than the Browns? Not even close. Do we improve more than the Raiders? Not even close. Not saying we're not better than the Raiders. Obviously we are. I'm just saying in terms of binging, in terms of going out and getting freaks, I mean Antonio Brown. Win now would be Antonio Brown. The reason I don't want Antonio Brown, you know, Antonio Brown, I can't, I, forever, I have to re- reference his name forever on this podcast. But who cares about the locker room? Let it fall apart. We got to win this year. W- win now is not the greatest strategy. I mean, t- to an extent, I get it. Like I said, if, if, if win now means you go all in, you win a Super Bowl, and then it takes you like two to three years to recover, you know, you got to purge a bunch of talent and then you're not very good, and then you got a bunch more salary cap space, and then you kind of push it all in again, and it, you kind of go on like these binge and purge sessions. I mean, maybe that's a way you can try to do it. But in general, win now is just kind of dumb. And the smarter way to do it is draft and develop, get young developmental people, try to hit at the right time, and just give yourself give yourself the ability to compete year after year after year. It's what the Packers did forever. Every year they were just good, 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 good. The problem is, and, and we can even say that this isn't necessarily divergent from Ted Thompson. Only, you know, Of course it is. Obviously it is. The point is, though, that the Packers are in a very unique situation that they're very rarely in. Usually every year they're competitive. So he adds a piece here, a piece there. But through the draft, we, we keep supplementing and we keep getting good, 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 good. We've fallen off to the point where the talent has, has fallen to an all-time low. So this is sort of a uh, infusion of talent. This is some, and, and we have extra cap because we're not paying anybody because we haven't been doing any good. So like I said, we're not re-signing any of our guys to second contracts because we got rid of all those guys. So we're going to go sign some other teams' guys to second contracts. So that just kind of brings us back up. So now we're back in the hunt. Now we're back to, theoretically, now we're back to being the old Packers. Not that we're elite, not that we're at the top of the list, but we're back to being that team that can compete again, where everybody has to say, oh, watch out for the Packers. They're one of those teams you got to watch. That's more the goal. We're not going for 2011. We're going for 2010, right? We want to be a good team that absolutely has the talent to get into the the, the, the the playoffs, to win the division, to get into the, pl- the playoffs, to compete in the playoffs, to get into the Super Bowl, and ultimately to win the Super Bowl. So again, it's, it's, it's semantics, but it's also, I want to make sure that we understand what this is. This is not an all-in push for 2018. That's, that's not correct. And if, if, if it is, if this is what Gutekunst views as an all-in move, um, I'm a little worried. But I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, he also references the reason he kind of uses that terminology is because, you know, if you look at the contract, we spent a lot of money and a lot of it's kind of backloaded. But I also think we got to take into consideration the guarantees. A lot of the guarantees are burned up. So the, a lot of that backloaded money isn't guaranteed. So a lot of that backloaded money can just go bye-bye. And essentially, we're just dealing with signing bonuses at that point. So all the non-guaranteed money, which is pretty much all the money, goes away and then the signing bonus, whatever's left, you know, $10 million or whatever over the next three years accelerates into one year. We owe a $10 million dead cap hit. That's not great, but it's not going to break a team. Uh, you know, R- Russ Ball has done a very, very good job with, with managing these things and things that look scary. Turns out, oh, looks like he knows what he's doing. All right. And of course, it doesn't always work out, but there's there has to be assumptions built in. You you do these contracts with the assumption based on what you're going to get in terms of production. And if you ever get a Nick Perry situation, there's no way to make that work. You can't cut him. You got to pay the guy. And and that's just what his value was at that time. If we didn't pay him that, somebody else was going to pay him that. And we were going to lose him. And based on his production in that one year, we could not lose that guy. That was the entire point. We got him in the first round. Super valuable. We finally got that production we've been waiting for. We paid him what he was worth. And then he just went in the trash heap. It's unfortunate that it happened, but it happened. There's nothing really the Packers could do about it but try to mitigate the damage. But that kind of brings me to my second point, which is, again, sort of a semantics thing. And, and some people, when they use these terms, it's fine. And Listen, you can say win now, you can say all in. Some of these terms are interchangeable. I just want to make sure that we understand when we use it, what exactly we mean by that. Because, again, if you mean we're trying to win this year, 
probably at the expense of future years. I don't believe that's the case. I really hope that's not the case because these aren't the win-now guys. The second thing, and this is another article I find. It's not an article. It was uh, the title of uh, Aaron Nagler's video, and that is uh, Rust Ball Cap Wizard. Now, I didn't watch the video. I'm certainly not going to trash Aaron Nagler because he's smart enough to understand everything I'm going to say, and I'm sure he didn't say this. But again, it's just one of those things where I want to make sure I don't have a problem calling Rust Ball a cap wizard if we're saying it properly. Rust Ball is a cap wizard for all the reasons that I just laid out and, and everything I talked about yesterday in terms of how why it's smart to pay up front and then how the guarantees work and all, all these different things and how it looks one way, but it actually is another way. And it's it's security for the Packers. It's also benefit to the team. It, it just... Everything kind of makes sense, and you look at it and go, oh, that's that's a really smart way to do it. And there's a lot of, you know, it, it seems like every team should just do that because it's not as impressive as it is. It's not super rocket science, but there are really dumb teams who do really dumb things like go all in because they're run by essentially not smart owners who put pressure on, you know, GMs and, and salary cap managers, whatever their title may be to do certain things. You know, I want that player and that's the end of it. Okay, well, I'm going to do the best I can with the salary cap, but unfortunately, this is not a good decision, right? So so there are, he is worth retaining and we did for a reason. He's very, very good with the salary cap. Here's what I don't want people to say. Do not say Russ Ball is a salary cap wizard because on a $16 million per year deal, we're only paying $8 million this year because we signed four guys and we're only paying a little bit this year. That in and of itself, now if you if you take that in its fuller context and it's really impressive because that doesn't hurt us real bad, that's what makes a guy a wizard. If, if we're paying almost nothing this year and we're paying everybody like less than half of what their annual, gar- or I shouldn't say guarantees because guarantees are kind of the, the variable here, but the, the average of less than half of their average per year. So, if, you know, the, the 16 per year guy's getting 7 million, the whatever. If that doesn't ultimately doom you in the future to where you look at it and go, that's great this year, it's horrible in the future, that part of it is what makes him a wizard. The structuring, the, 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 the way that you put all these pieces in different places so that it's great for the player, it's great for the team, it's not going to cripple us, all these different things. That's what makes Russ Ball a cap wizard. Staring at it and saying, Wow, look, money disappeared. Like, he's literally a wizard and did magic because he just turned $16 million into $7 million and the rest just vanished. It didn't vanish, man. The money's still there. All of that money, every single penny of that $66 million is somewhere. Now, how much of it is base? How much of it is signing bonus? How much is this? It's just, it's a matter of taking all that money, chopping it up into different pieces, and putting it in different areas. You know, uh, roster bonuses, per game roster bonuses, signing bonuses. You know, um, you know different incentives. Uh, you, you, your base salary, all these different things in all these different places for different reasons. That's what makes him a wizard. But none of the money has disappeared. And if he's only giving X amount this year, then that money shows up somewhere else. It's it's out there somewhere, and the Packers have to account for it somewhere. Go find out where that money is. Find out if you're okay with taking half of the money that he should be getting this year and putting it somewhere else, or if that's going to hurt us. And if you've done that and you still think he's a wizard, please call him a salary cap wizard. I just don't like the sort of shallow thinking of, oh, look, it's cheap. He's a wizard. No, because it didn't disappear. He did not do magic. He just put it somewhere else. Go find out where it is and how great or horrible that is. That's the key. It's not hard to sign a bunch of players and pay them nothing up front. Every, we, 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 could have, we could have literally signed pretty much everybody and paid them all $1 million each with massive signing bonuses and a bunch of huge base salary out of the back. But it would have crushed this team in year two. But it can happen. That doesn't make me a wizard. That makes me a, a dum-dum. I, I, I wouldn't be able to get a job, you know, managing a sock drawer. I just, so that, that, that's, that's my point. Understand in its totality where all the money is. Don't just focus on this year. Ooh, look at this. There's, there's so much money left. He's a wizard. No, find it. It's out there somewhere. Go find where it is. Find out if it's okay or if it's like, oh no, he do. Otherwise we're just, we're, we're very and that's kind of annoying for me, too. We, we only focus on this year. 2019 is the only year that exists. It drives me crazy. 
Like, you know, we should, dra- we should draft an offensive tackle. No, we don't need an offensive tackle. Think about how horrible next year is going to be if we don't have another offensive tackle in this draft. So next year rolls around. Balag is gone. We're not re-signing him. We go into the draft, and let's say we, we're getting pick 30. We, we got a real big push into the playoffs, but we lost in the divisional round. Whatever. We got pick 30. We don't have an offensive tackle. Now, granted, next year's supposed to be a pretty offensive tackle-heavy draft, which is great. But how unfortunate is it? Let's say Jawan Taylor is a great value. He's available at 12, and we don't pick him. We get somebody else. We get another pass rusher or another defensive tackle or another tight end. But we don't get a tackle. What happens in 2020? We get one first-round pick. It's at pick 30, and we have to reach on a tackle because we're desperate for one. And essentially, rather than doing it in this year so that next year at 30, we can get a piece that we actually need, a different need, because we already satisfied the tackle spot, now we don't actually get like a pick pick until our late second round, because our first one is just trying to replace Brian Balaga. So as far as improving our team, we don't get a pick until the second round, because there's improving a team and then there's replacing guys. If we replace Brian Balaga, first of all, he's probably not going to be as good as Balaga especially if we're talking late first-round pick. Second of all, your team doesn't improve even if he is as good as Brian Balaga. You're just even. So again, you can't improve your team until the second round. But again, we, we don't want to think about that. No, no, what about this year? What about this year? Just just think about the horror for a moment, and then, then that'll help you with the idea of possibly getting a tackle. We're in 2020 right now. We don't have a right tackle anywhere to be found we literally don't even have a human being that can step in there if we wanted him to with the exception of maybe justin mccray if we decide to bring him back another year which we're probably going to have to because we don't have anybody else that or in free agency with what little money we have left over we got to go all in on a tackle that's not even going to be that great just because we have to it's just again the peace of mind we don't have to anymore so anyways just start thinking Longer term. I mean, it's, it's like going to a car dealership and you see a $50,000 car and you're like, whoa, 50 grand, man. That's a lot. And he's like, it's not 50 grand. 500 bucks, man. Like, what are you talking about? 500 bucks. You give me $500, you drive this off the lot. Like, are you serious? Are you a wizard, sir? In fact, I am. I am a wizard because I made $45,000. Poof, disappear. 45 thousand gone do you have five hundred dollars somewhere in your bank account like i have six hundred i'll have you know well all right you can afford this car right i mean nobody thinks that way everybody understands the fifty thousand is actually out there and you actually have to pay the fifty thousand and just because he's letting you drive it off the lot with five hundred dollars down does not mean the other one disappeared and that the salesman who is a salesman is a wizard that made all the money disappear that's literally the same thing that fans do when they say Russ Ball is a cap wizard because he made all the other... Because look how little we pay in the first year. Ugh, no! Stop doing that. Again, you can call him that. Just call him it for the right reasons, all right? I, I just don't want anybody listening to be that guy. Because you're going to be that guy, and then you're going to get called out on Twitter and made fun of, and nobody likes that. Because that's all Twitter is about anyways. Twitter's about getting your opinions out there and then having everybody pile on you and either say... This is a great opinion because you've said the approved opinion or you give an unpopular opinion and everybody shames you and you feel sad. It's uh, that's that is what Twitter is about. And I want you to be happy and not sad. All right, let's let's get going with these questions now, because there are a lot. um, At least I'm assuming I'm looking at a lot of messages. Some of them are just uh, here's my review kind of thing. But let's start off going back to Tuesday with Kyle from Kansas. He says, with the latest free agency signings, do you think the Packers will go all offense with the 12th, 30th, and 44th pick? Let's just say they do. Who would you want them to draft? Well, I'm, I'm just going to go with no because I'm playing the odds. The Packers like to draft defense. The Packers still have needs on defense. And it's, you know, it's kind of a 50-50 coin flip offense or defense. And, you know, flipping heads three times in a row, you know, statistics and whatnot. So I'll play the odds and say no, not three times in a row. But um, I, I would guess probably two out of the three. And it, it, I mean, it's just going to come down to what the value is and, and um, you know, what, what value meet what meets what need at this pick. But let's play along and say, at those three positions, I have to pick offense. At this point in time, what am I looking at? At 12, I, I just, to be completely honest, I'm still uncomfortable with tight end at 12. I just, not only is it just because the position isn't super valuable, but you look at the fact that we just re-signed everybody. 
it kind of pushes that off as far as a need, even though obviously these guys are better. I get all that. We need youth. I get all that. But beyond that, I know we're all assuming that Fant and Hawkinson are going to be freaks. We always do. But look at these early tight end signings. How many of these guys are freaks? Like, what, 10%? Eric Ebron, the, the, the Lions traded up, way up in the first round to get Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron was a freak. He was a guaranteed slam dunk, one of the best to come out in forever. I mean, not very good. And he, I mean, okay, so he goes to the Colts and he's a little bit better. That's fine. He's still not an earth-shattering, greatest tight end of all time type prospect. He's a lot better because he has a better quarterback, a very, very good quarterback who actually loves tight ends. Every tight end that plays for, for the Colts um, and Andrew Luck is pretty successful. I mean, I in fantasy football, they would have two tight ends that got the ball a lot, and I would still have one in fantasy football and get plenty of points because he'd still somehow end up with, you know, 55 yards, seven catches, and two touchdowns. So at 12, I'm uncomfortable. Looking at wide receiver, I don't think there's anybody that I really like. DK Metcalf obviously has a massive upside, but it's his floor that scares me. He could be a very, very good wide receiver, but he could be a complete bust. Or, you know, obviously anything in between there. But I'm just, I'm not comfortable at 12 with him. So at that point, if I have to, it's going to be, you know, Jonah Williams. It's going to be, you know, Dillard or Cody Ford or you know, whatever. It's, it's going to be an offensive lineman, probably an offensive tackle. And, and, and let's also remember, it doesn't necessarily mean we're not going to get anything out of that. For one, we could still release Brian Balaga if we so chose. Number two, Brian Balaga is injury prone, so even if we keep him, it gives us the peace of mind of knowing we've got somebody there. Number three, if we get a certain guy like Jonah Williams, even though we signed a guard, which I'm not super happy about, and we'll see how that pans out, We've got a guy like Jonah, who a lot of people think would be better at guard anyways, who could be a very good guard. So we've got a guy that maybe can contribute year one as a guard, and then next year be our starting right tackle. That's a massive upgrade. Considering how much of a need it fills this year and next year, that's a great pickup. Looking at pick 30, this is where I get to be a little bit more comfortable. If Fant or Hawkinson fall, now we can start talking about having those conversations. Beyond that, though, lots of wide receivers. If DK Metcalf is around, maybe you take a shot at the upside. Um, you, you got some slot guys like A.J. Brown, maybe you take a shot at if you want to go slot. Um, maybe you take a shot at Hollywood Brown. I know he got injured, but obviously, again, huge upside guy. There's also a question of, of Josh Jacobs, running back out of Alabama. People compare him to Alan, uh, Alvin Kamara. I don't know that that would be my favorite option, considering we already have a lot of talent, and if we just need depth, we can get that later rounds, but I'm just saying the option is out there. And, you know, again, it just comes down to the board, and I don't have my own personal board. I've got certain people that I like, but I, I haven't really studied everybody. But just based on the fact that if Hawkinson and Fant are available, you're not going to get one of them to fall to 44, and there's going to be wide receivers available at 44, maybe I go that route. Now, for this exercise, we're not getting anyone else but offense, so I'm going to probably just take Hawkinson or Fant. In real-life situations, though, if we want wide receiver and there's better wide receivers, let's take a wide receiver, because at 44, I'm, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a safety available. And maybe at 30, I'm taking a safety. I don't know. But for the sake of this exercise, I'm absolutely going to take a tight end if he's available. Um, if not, then we take a wide receiver, and at 44, what do we do on offense? Maybe a guard. You know, maybe Chris Lindstrom is available. I've, that's where I've got him on my board. Oh, by the way, NFL Big Board was just updated. I updated it yesterday. Um, there's not as many boards because I, I erased every single board, and I'm only having post-combine big boards on here. So all of that is reflected in, uh, in, in the new big board. So in terms of what the big board says, at 12, the guys that are, are a good value, Jonah Williams, Jawan Taylor, DK Metcalf. Uh, Hawkinson is at 14, so he could possibly be in the mix. At 30, offensive guys that are around there, Noah Fant is 26. Uh, Cody Ford is 24 if he's around still. Marquise or Hollywood Brown, 28. A.J. Brown is at 30. Garrett Bradbury, the center, at 31. We wouldn't bring him on as a center, but maybe as a guard. And then you got guys like Debo Samuel, more speed guys. Uh, Irv Smith, if we don't take a tight end at 30, he could probably be around at 44. Um, Nikhil Harry. Kelvin Harmon's all the way down at 52, but I think he's a good wide receiver. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside at 55, Paris Campbell at 56, Hakeem Butler at 58, uh, Eric McCoy, another athletic offensive lineman. So there's a lot of options. And, you know, it's, it's not a great answer, but I don't really have an answer to what I would do other than 
at this point the most comfortable I am at 12. If we go offense, which probably isn't going to be my pick because I don't think it's going to be the best value, but it's probably going to be an offensive lineman. I'm not super comfortable with the tight ends at 12. I don't think there's any wide receivers at 12. Obviously, we don't need a quarterback. I don't want to take a running back like Josh Jacobs at 12. So what are we left with? It's offensive line. And and based on the value, it's probably not going to be a guard. And based on the need next year, and if especially if we can play him guard this year, tackle just makes the most sense. So as far as our pick 12, tackle or defense or trade back. Um, Andy from Kansas had a question. Uh, the first part of the question was, what is our current cap space? I want to wait on that. We don't have enough time to talk about that today. Uh, the second part of the question, could a Tremont cut be a smart move? I'd love to keep Tremont. I think if we put him back at corner, he could potentially be our number two corner. I, I really like having him. Um, also, at safety, he, he is our starting safety. So, I, I mean, at safety, he is a starting safety. At corner, he is a starting corner. So, yes, he's a valuable piece at, to keep, but it's one of those things where it's like we shouldn't have to keep him. If, if we can draft a safety, and if, if these, these young guys should not allow Tremont to be a corner. The fact that if we put him at corner, he becomes our best or second best corner is, is not a good situation. We drafted young, early, talented corners. These guys need to step up. So there should not be a spot for Tremont at corner. That, that should be very evident by this year. If, if Tremont is still our best option at corner, we are in a lot of trouble. Um, and and he's, he's, he's just kind of a patch at, at safety. He's there. We need him there. But we shouldn't want to. We sh- we shouldn't need him there. He's not that good. We we, we should be drafting somebody else. And, and the fact of the matter is, we do save money if we get rid of him. So yes, it does make sense. I think it is the smart move. And if we can't move him, it's not because we. I shouldn't. Say, I don't know how to say it. To not. I mean, I love Tremont. We we shouldn't want to want to keep him as a player and as a person. Yes, but just just as a in in terms of business sense, paying him that money doesn't make any sense. We don't need him at corner. He's not a safety. We should get rid of him, cut him, and, and save the money. But I don't know if we will because I don't know if we can. Because if we get rid of him, we just we don't have anyone else to play uh, next to Adrian Amos. Um, he asked about Earl Thomas, but Earl Thomas got signed. He asked about Ingram, but Ingram got signed. He says, is there any cap room uh, or interest for Barrett or Tate? Uh, cap room... Like I said, I don't know that we have a ton left. Obviously, we can make moves and pay them very little and whatever. Um, Barrett, an outside linebacker, I had already mentioned him. I like him a lot. I don't know that we need him now because of, you know, we, I mean, we, we've already invested a lot as far as cap space, as far as our future. I mean, he's another 26-year-old guy. Um, I, you know, I, I think if we would have gotten him, it would have been in lieu of somebody like Preston Smith. Now that we've already got two, I don't see us getting Shaquille Barrett. Um, beyond that, if, if we get another one, it's just, it, at that point, it's like, we can't draft an outside linebacker. We, we have too many now. And I don't know that Shaquille Barrett provides that upside, that the benefit of not bringing somebody else in is now, if we do draft somebody, you can still justify it. And we can go out and maybe get somebody that has that real high upside. Cause, cause Zadarius, I mean, he can be, and hopefully will be pretty good, but I don't know that Preston is going to be that real solid pass rusher. I don't know if Zadarius is going to be a 10-sack guy. I know he has the potential. I think both of these guys actually do, you know, given the right circumstances and enough snaps, just based on their percentages, they, they can get there. But these aren't guys that you get if you want that double-digit sack guy. So, I mean, that, that just kind of creates another issue where it's like, okay, we, we've kind of got enough. And, and it's the same kind of player. I, I prefer Shaquille Barrett just because he's been very good and he's been very consistent. But uh, at this point, no. Golden Tate obviously would be an awesome addition to the team in a vacuum. I would take him in a second. Um, it, it fills a need in the slot. Still a very good football player. Um, you know, the, the fact that he played for Detroit kind of just adds a little bit of salt to the wound, kind of like Adrian Amos for playing the Lions. With that said, though, supposedly he's he's wanting in the ballpark of like $10 million. I don't, I don't know if maybe he's dropped his price already. I don't want to pay him very much. I mean, there, there comes a point in time where it just makes more sense to re-sign Cobb. And I don't know what his value is either, but, you know, th- th- there's a certain price at which it just becomes silly. And $10 million is silly money, even with the, the, the magic. And, you know, of course, you know, how much of it is guaranteed and all, all that stuff. But, again, we got to look at the same situation where we have a bunch of young wide receivers. And it just becomes a point where it's like we've, we've done wrong 
the GM has done a poor job if you've invested that much in the draft and then the next year you have to spend 8 to $10 million per year to go sign a wide receiver because the wide receivers you have aren't panning out. We, we just have a bunch of guys hoping somebody is able to s- stitch together a wide receiving core out of these guys. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation because on one hand, you got the guys. On the other hand, you don't think they're ever going to be those guys. But if you go out and pay somebody, you're not going to give them the opportunity to be those guys. So why did you draft them? So it's, it's tough. It, it's, it's similar to my problem with, you know, Derwin James and Josh Jones. If we got Derwin James, we don't have a purpose for Josh Jones. I mean, he could get on the field, but it's kind of like, okay, so we're just going to throw away a second-round pick because we can upgrade that position. It just It's hard for me to come to that point. Now, in hindsight, it would have been a solid pickup. Zero complaints at this point in time. But at the time, it creates a problem. And, and at the very least, the, the best-case scenario is, yes, it was the right, right move. Yes, we have a stud on our team. But that second-round pick was and always will be erased in a failure. And you just, that's not a good situation. Give them the opportunity to grow. And, I'm, I, you know, specifically, Josh Jones, it's, he's going into his third year. He can still become a stud. Let's, let's not throw in the towel on him. Unlikely, yes. Possible, yes. And just, and again, like I've said with a lot of other things, if he does turn the corner, let's think about what that's going to feel like when you look back at all the stuff you've said about him. Before you say something, think, is this something I wish I wouldn't have said knowing now that he broke out and is a great player and I'm contemplating buying a jersey. I know I gotta go dance party. DJ Galaxy's all worried. We'll get there on time, relax. But anyways, with all that said, I think I do need to cut it off here. We'll have to get back to some more of these questions a little bit later. Feel free to keep sending them in. We'll get caught up. 608-501-0718. I think that's right. Did I just do that? 608-501-0718. That's the first time I said it without looking at it. It's only been a few months now. Sometimes I'm just proud of myself, man, you know? Like, wow, what an awesome person I am. In like six months, I remembered a phone number. I mean, who does that? It's incredible. Anyways, you folks enjoy your Thursday. I'm going to go celebrate remembering that phone number. We'll be back with some more tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.